Hey, uh, good morning, everyone. I hope that your October 31st is starting off better than mine is. Um, I got up this morning, and I'm at, I'm at that age now where before I go out into public, I'm starting to remember to ask my wife if things are in proper order. And so I said to Fran this morning, I said, how do I look? And she said, oh, that's a great costume. And she kept going. You know, playing with my head, just messing with me, and I've been worried about it ever since. Anyway, there are so many things that I want to talk to you about this morning. Um, like, I mean, first of all, we're at the end of October, and what did I do yesterday? I mowed my lawn for the first time since June. <laughs> That's just a beautiful thing. I thought that was awesome. And did I hear correctly that, that Bruce said that you should invite your friends and neighbors and that there are postcard invitations out on the, on the uh, back desk, the information desk, and, and business cards? Did, did you hear that? Well, come on. Okay, good show. Like, I mean, because that's what we need you to do. We want you to go out and, and invite friends and stuff like that. But I had a flashback that when he's talking about business cards, there are business card invitations, okay, that you could hand out. Because there are also staff business cards out there. And so when I used to work at the legislature in Edmonton, one of my MLAs, uh, he, was, he was a great guy. He, I'm going to talk about him maybe a little bit later in the message too. But he would come into my office, and the first couple times it happened, I had no idea what was going on. He'd come in, and he would say, Doug, do you have business cards? And I would say, sure, yeah, because they gave them to me when I started working there. And so I had a box of these things. And so I gave him one. And uh, anyhow, he said, no, no. He says, Do you, I, need some, I need some cards. And so he took like literally half the box. And so I thought, okay, well, that's obviously why they give me a card then uh, or a box of them. Anyhow, long story short, he would then go out to the, to the constituency. He'd just hand out my card. Whenever there was something going on that he needed something done or something, somebody had a question or wanted something, he would hand them my card. And I would get calls then from the constituency all the time. Anyway. So I had just visions of that too, you guys going grabbing all my cards off of the information center and going out and handing them out. I guess that'd be okay as well, but anyway. All right, so uh, enough of that. We need to get going. Uh, as Bruce mentioned too, we're, we are in the last week of our What Are You Looking At uh, series. And so far we've been examining different things that preoccupy us and, and distract us away from things that we should be focused on. So in the first week... We examined that the benefits of pleasure are outweighed by pursuing what God says is good. In week two, we looked at the whole idea that God's plan for us is better than any plan that we can concoct for ourselves. Then last week, we talked about the idea that focusing on getting out of our suffering or regaining comfort or maintaining comfort sacrifices the benefits that God is planning to work in our lives in and through our suffering for ourselves or for those around us. And today, what I want us to look at is uh, what are we trying to write for our, our own epitaphs? I want us to examine that. What are we trying to write for our own epitaphs? So this whole idea about what we once said about us now and for that matter, what we want said about us after we're gone. I believe that we're, 
busy writing those right now, whether we know it or not. And legacy is an interesting topic because some of us have thought about it a lot. And we're focused on trying to accomplish what we want our legacy to be. While others are not considering it at all. It's not a thought in their mind. They're just going about life and hoping that that will somehow work out in the end. That somehow their legacy will be okay. But I would submit that it's worth some time thinking about right now. That we need to consider what it is that we are writing right now for our epitaphs, for our legacy, in order that we then take a moment to consider if we are in line with where we should be, whether we're writing an epitaph from the short view of focusing on building our own legacy, building what we think is important so that we will be remembered for those things, or if we're focused on the long view of leveraging our lives, not so that people would be remembering us or thinking about us, but rather that they would be remembering and thinking about God because of us. So that's where we want to go this morning. And I would submit right off the hop that there is a desire in all of us somehow, to some extent, to make a name for ourselves today. That that's an objective for us, consciously or unconsciously, that we are setting out to make a name for ourselves. For some of us, we want to be notorious even. We want to be well-known. For others, we just want to be known within the certain circumstances that we find ourselves in and that we value. Nevertheless, we have on some level some craving to be recognized. And if not notorious, at least seen as significant, that we would be affirmed in who we are, in our value, validated, and respected. Now, as we've seen before in some of our other series, as we've been looking at some of these different issues, I don't think that these things are inherently wrong. It's good to be respected. I think it's great to be, want to be valued, etc. But they be, can become wrong as we begin to focus on them too distinctly, as they begin to captivate or commandeer too much of our time and attention as we go about trying to accomplish that focus on ourselves in the here and now. And unfortunately, that happens a lot for many of us. As they capture and commandeer our time, as we set out to be respected and valued, as we set out to become notorious, they commandeer more of our time and energy, our resources. And as that happens, then it distracts us from focusing our lives and leveraging our lives on making God known. We want to be known. And as we leave that unchecked, it leads us to make our lives all about me. And therein lies our problem. Because as my life becomes about me, there's no way it can become about God. It can't be for him. He's squeezed out of that picture. And I think this morning that 
this really then arrives at the dilemma for you and I today. Because as we hear that the plan is for us to make Christ known with our lives, as we understand that our objective is to be making God known rather than ourselves, I think that we kind of pull back from that. That chafes at us, even in hearing it. And we question right off the hop. We doubt whether that's a good trade for us today. Because there doesn't seem to be anything in it for me. And on that level then, at face value, it looks like we lose. We feel like we're coming out of this behind. That somehow we're losing out. When in fact, this really isn't the case at all. As a matter of fact, as we make that trade, as we trade our lives for God, as we leverage our lives not to make ourselves known, but to make Him known, we make out like bandits in that deal. And we need to come to understand that. We need to, we need to recognize that the reward waiting for us as we do that far, far outweighs anything that we can accomplish in and of ourselves for reward in this life here and now. So this morning what we're going to do is we're going to look at two people quickly that demonstrated the perspective that we need to have in life. Two guys that came to understand that putting Christ first and making Him known was far more significant, far more worthwhile than setting out to make their lives all about themselves. Now, here's the thing this morning. This will never really make sense for you until you come to know God. Until you figure it out for yourself. You come to that place where you put your faith in Him. Now, I can tell you all about this, and I'm going to do my best to do that in the next few minutes. But at the end of the day, until you decide to dig in and find out who this God is and what he's all about and why it's worth leaning into him and investing your life for him, this is going to be pretty much academic for you. Or maybe this, here, you're here this morning and, and you've subscribed already to God. And so you're in, so to speak. And as we go through this this morning, maybe we'll make some small adjustments in our lives. Maybe we'll try and fine-tune it a little bit. Adapt some minor things, if you will. And to some extent, that's great. We'll derive some minor benefits. But I want to encourage you. Dig in. Lean into God today because He's there to lean into. And as we do, as we take that step out of the boat and into, onto the water, so to speak, as we venture out in faith, then I, I know He will meet you there. And this will become real for you such that it, doesn't, it isn't just an academic exercise anymore. It's not just some sort of an idea or a theory, but rather it becomes real like it was for these two guys. 
and so that we can then change the way that we live our lives. That it will impact us in our day-to-day, not just in our heads up here. So get into your Bibles. Study. Engage with God in prayer. Join a small group where you can lean in and discuss this stuff. And as you do, I trust that this will begin to ring more and more true and that we'll bring our lives more and more in line with him. Let's, let's pray before we dive in any further and ask God to help us to do that this morning. Father, today again, in these next few minutes that you're, you've given us, we'd say thank you for them. And Lord, I pray that you would take them now and that you would help us to move closer to you. That you would help what we're about to talk about go beyond just our heads, but into our hearts, so that we might be able to take the dare of giving up what we think we can accomplish for ourselves, the benefits that we believe that we can derive as we leverage life for ourselves. And as we, as we leave that behind and invest instead in making you known to the world around us, Help us, help us to see beyond that short view, Lord, to the long view of what we can accomplish with you, through you, and what we have to benefit there as we look forward. So to that end, I pray for your Spirit's blessing upon us, his, his work in our lives this morning, and I pray these things all in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. All right. So the first thing that we're going to, first guy that we're going to look at this morning is Moses. And instead of going back to the Old Testament, we're going to actually go back to Hebrews. And so you might remember this from a little while ago when we took that, did that series in Hebrews. Hebrews 11, verses 24 to 26. The writer of Hebrews speaks into our lives and gives us some real insight into who Moses was and what was motivating him. And it's such a, a great few verses. It says this, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. So let's begin by looking at Moses' decision this morning. We see right off the hop that Moses chose to identify himself with God and with God's people. Rather than choosing to identify himself with the Egyptians and more even specifically the royal family, if you will, of Egypt. That's a crazy decision. Crazy decision. So let's examine that a little bit. It's crazy because, number one, this decision came at a very definite cost for Moses. It cost him status, cost him power, cost him wealth. And to some understanding, their investigation it might well have cost him a shot at the throne, at being the 
Pharaoh himself. So this is, this is a crazy decision. It flies in the face of what we're taught and who we are in our humanness. Where it's all about me. Where I'm to go out and accumulate and acquire for myself power, prestige, wealth, ability, etc. And Moses sees this decision lying in front of him and he chooses to turn it down. And what's more, he didn't just turn those things down. He chose instead to be counted for God, to be counted with God and with God's people, knowing that that was going to result in contempt and ridicule and disgrace and mistreatment. How many of us are ready this morning to make that decision? How many of us are ready, even at our level, forget this level. Like, I mean, that's, this is ultra crazy. But how many of us on our level today are, are turning down the benefits that we see, the, the ones that we can actually accomplish for ourselves? in favor of knowing God and making him known. Moses' decision came initially, and right off the hop, at a very high, very high cost. But we see, secondly, about this decision, that it was very clear for Moses that the decision came at a high cost, but the, the, the decision was clear for him. It was distilled very succinctly and easily in his mind. He could not identify with both. He couldn't try and be both for God and with the Egyptians, if you will. So it was clear to him he had to choose. He had to make a decision. And I think this is where we so often stumble, you and I. We try and fudge it up the middle. We try and hedge our bets. We try and make these decisions a little bit muddy, if you will, so that we can somehow skew them in such a way that I can have it both ways. We don't see it as clear because we haven't defined it properly. We haven't defined it well. Moses did. But we don't. This morning, so often I think it is, we want God, right? We want God. Absolutely. Everybody puts up their hands. But we want him just enough so that he's okay with us. That's how we usually approach it. What do I have to do? How much do I have to give him so that he'll be okay with me? And so that I can carry on with the rest of my agenda. What do I do? What do I have to do just enough so that I can ingratiate myself with him? So that he'll give me the, the nod. 
whenever that becomes necessary, and I'll be, I'll be all right. But in the meantime, then I can go back to my life as I really want. For some of us, we've chosen to identify with God and live for Him. But at the same time, we're trying to figure out how to hang on to as many of these worldly, earthly benefits as possible. Yeah, we count ourselves as in. But then we try and bat up the middle and play both sides. And as much as we might want to work that way this morning, we've got to understand that God doesn't work that way today. He didn't in Moses' time, he doesn't in our time, and he won't in the future either. Moses recognized that God doesn't play by those rules. He understood that God gives us an opportunity to call ourselves in or to count ourselves out. To be on board or to be off board. Verse 25 tells us how we know, shows us how we know that Moses understood that the decision was clear. Because there it said that he understood that he could follow God or choose sin. Follow God or choose sin. This morning I think we need to look at our lives and recognize that as we decide not to follow God, or as we choose to try and hedge our bets and fudge it, that that's not just trying to be sneaky and smart and playing the odds. That's just plain sin. That as we deny God's call on our lives, that we're denying God. And as we deny God, that is sinful. Straight up. Now this morning, I also want to make something clear. This is not to say that having wealth or nobility or power or influence are sinful. As a matter of fact, we saw last week God lead Joseph into a position like that. So it's not these things that are inherently wrong in and of themselves. What's wrong, what's the sin, is that when we go about pursuing it on our own, counter to God's leading in our life. The key for Joseph was that this was where God led him to be. The question that you and I have today is, where is God leading us? Are we choosing to follow him? Or are we choosing to make our own, pursue our own legacy, write our own epitaph? Moses understood it was sin. It's really clear for him because it was against God's will for him. It was against what God called him to do and him to be. 
Let's consider now really quickly the basis for Moses' decision. First of all, we see it right off the hop, that Moses makes his decision by faith. See that in verse 24. That on the basis of his faith, Moses made that call. What he understood about God, who he knew him to be, how he felt him directing him in his life. On that level, that set out for Moses his direction, his framework by which he made that decision, the metrics by which he evaluated his options. Secondly, further to his faith, on account of his faith, in the context of his faith, he made the decision because he considered disgrace for the sake of Christ of greater value than the treasure of Egypt. That is, Moses pursued his faith. He came to the place in his faith where he recognized that disgrace for the sake of Christ was of more value than the treasures of, your, of, of, of Egypt. And again, I go back to this idea that we need to be all in for God. We need to study this. This can't be just academic. Until we know God in our hearts and our minds, this will never make sense for us. So if we're here sitting this morning and we're choosing not to pursue our faith, which is to say not to study it, not to grow in our knowledge of God, not to understand Him better, not to engage with Him more, not to find Him to be real, then the odds of us beginning to understand that the treasures of this world are dwarfed by the treasures offered to us in our relationship with God are slim to none. Lastly, Moses made this decision, again, through the, through the lens of his faith, understanding that there was coming a greater reward. That in his understanding of God, in his knowledge of God, that he knew that the reward that he wanted wasn't going to be in this life because the reward he wanted was coming in the next life and greater than anything that he could accomplish here. Church family, again, as we, come, as we come to our faith, it can't be just a Sunday thing. We can't call ourselves Christians if we're not leaning into God today. Pursuing Him and then following Him. Growing in our relationship with Him. We can't, we can't play faith. We have to go after it. We have to dive into it. We have to bring our lives in line with it. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Our faith has to inform the way we live our lives, not our lives informing what we choose to believe in our faith. We've got it backwards so often. 
Oftentimes, we hear it said that we have to live by the courage of our convictions. You have to, you have to live by the courage of your convictions. I'm here to tell you that you're already doing that. You don't have to do it. You are doing it right now. We are all doing that right now. We live by the courage of our convictions. That begs the question, unfortunately, though, what are our convictions today? What are the convictions that you and I are living by? Moses shows us the convictions he lived by. He shows us the convictions that we need to live by. The question is ours. Will we? Let's take another look at Paul this morning. Look at another guy, Paul. We'll look at him through the lens of Philippians chapter 3. Going to look at a couple of verses here, 2 and 3, and then 7 through to verse 14. There it says this, Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Verse 7, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and, the, and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Paul continues, verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, he says, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. quickly here this morning. Like Moses, we see that Paul's faith led him to deny the benefits of his previous life. In favor then of knowing Christ and following him. Like Moses, as Paul came to know God, he saw the deal he recognized that turning down the benefits of this life was, that was the thing, man. That was the trade to make. In light of who he knew Christ to be, what he knew Christ would do for him in his life, and what lay ahead for him with Christ in the future. And Paul, again, like Moses, didn't make that trade sort of out of, a, out of a marginal space. 
He was turning down a ton. Paul also had status and prestige and power and influence. He was talking to these people, recognizing and, and, and challenging them in their Jewishness versus his Jewishness, if you will. And on that level, on, the, on those grounds, he was like way, way ahead of the pack. But he saw that not just as of, wor- of, of no worth, but as loss. Not that it was worthless and didn't bring anything to the table, but actually that it had prevented him from knowing Christ. That it was, had been a, that was all a liability to him. We need to understand that today. That so often the things that we chase in life, it's not just worthless. It's a liability to us in our faith. That as we pursue the treasure of this life, as we pursue the notoriety of this life, as we try and build our own legacy for ourselves, that we're actually working against ourselves in understanding and knowing Christ. And therefore, we're forfeiting the benefit of him in our lives and the reward that lies ahead as we choose to pursue me rather than make him known. Why did Paul make that decision? Really simple. Because he recognized that life wasn't about him, it was about God. And that while he had been making his life about him, he had been losing ground. And as he learned about God, then he understood the way forward was to make God known. That that was what paid real dividends and what still pays real dividends. Like Moses, we also see a third thing really quickly. That he was focused on the coming reward, not the one that he could accomplish for himself now. That in his knowledge of God and in his trust of God, that he recognized that what was coming one day for him, what was coming one day for Moses, what was coming one day for Paul, what is coming for one day, one day for you and I, as we follow and pursue God, as we choose his legacy over ours, that reward is going to be far greater for you and I. It's not a bad trade. We're making out like bandits through God's goodness and his grace. So here again, Paul looked at all the challenges that he was going through and would still yet go through. Here even writing from prison to the Philippians. And he counted that as a great deal. Bring it on. Because what lies ahead for me is far better. I mentioned I would talk about one of my MLAs, the same guy that used to take my cards. He was notorious being a really tough dude to work for at the legislature. Every time I told somebody that I worked for him, they would say, oh my goodness. And then they would have disparaging things to say. Well, not all the time, sometimes. But have you ever been in that place where you've come to the point where you identify with somebody so greatly that the, that the, the criticisms against them that you wear as a badge of honor, that you count it a privilege to 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 be associated with that person. That was how it was for me. 
and working with Mr. Bogle. I understood where he was going and how he was going about being an MLA, what he was trying to do for his constituency. I understood the standards to which he wanted things done. And as people would criticize, I would just count that as an honor because I knew what he was all about and how he was going about things and I knew that it was for the right reasons and what was motivating him. So I was, I was proud to be on his team. This morning, church family, Jesus is worth being on his team. And whatever life's going to throw at us that's going to cause us to hurt and cause us to suffer, cause us to give up our pleasures, cause us to give up our treasures, cause us to lose our legacy for the sake of his is worth it because of who he is and what he's done and what we have to look forward to today and going forward into the future. So the question becomes, church family, what are you looking at today? What are we looking at today? Is your life about you? Or is our life about God? Are we focused on the short view of our pleasure, of our plan, of our comfort, of our legacy? Or are we focused on the long view of what is good, of what God's calling us to in our lives, of understanding and leaning into him as he builds us through his purpose in suffering and uses us for the sake of others around us. And as we leverage our lives to make him known. Where's our focus today? As, as we come to the end of this series, I wanted to try and be encouraging, which I suck at. I do not have the spiritual gift of encouragement. So I'm going to defer back to, to Paul again as he carries on here just a, little, a few verses later in Philippians. Philippians 3, now verses 17 to 20. Paul says this to the Philippians, but he's saying it every bit as much to you and I today. He's saying it to First Baptist Church. Thus is a church family. He says this, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, I love Paul. Many, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. Where's your focus? Let's focus on him. And let's pray. Father, again today, as we come now out of the end of this series, Father God, I pray that this would not just be information, that this wouldn't just even be encouragement, but this would be now life-changing for us as a church. That wherever we're at in our faith, wherever we're at in our walk with you, that going forward we would take another step towards you in this. That we would learn to give up earthly things in favor of you. That we would eagerly anticipate a reward in the future and understand that it will outweigh and outlast anything that we can accomplish for ourselves here and now. And Father God, that, that, that we would come to better leverage our lives for you, to make you known, not ourselves. So to that end, God, I pray that by your spirit that you would work in each of us and us corporately as a church. And I ask these things all again in Christ's name and for his sake alone. Amen. Hey, next week, remember, two things. I think it's the time change, right? Is that right? No? Should be? Yeah, okay. So next week, I'm giving you an extra hour off. And it's a new series, so invite a friend, and we'll see you then.